0: Exodus chapter 14. I have just a few more Sundays in this series, Lessons from the Red Sea. Um, I believe after today we'll have two more Sundays and then we'll um, move on to whatever God has for us next. I pray that you have a great week of Thanksgiving with your family, friends, or whatever that means. But if there's If there's one thing that uh, God has been for all of us, we know that he has been faithful. Amen? God has been faithful. Never said that he always works things out according to the way that we want, but he is faithful. And we thank him for that. Uh, I read a story uh, not long ago. In his sermon, Finding God in a Busy World, John Killinger tells the story of a woman whose life was transformed by solitude. Killinger had traveled to New York to preach, and one night he took a walk with one of his hosts uh, on a pier that overlooked uh, downtown New York City. The woman explained the significance of the spot where they were walking. She had gone through a number of difficult times recently in her life. Her husband had left her. Her daughter had given her uh, a lot of difficulties. And one night during this difficult time in her life, she took a walk out on this pier down there by Manhattan Island, and she was in a lot of pain, a lot of despair. She didn't know how she was going to go on. Killinger says this, she sat on one of the benches and looked across the bay at the city. She stared out at Liberty Island in the distance, and she watched the tugboats as they moved in and out of the bay. She sat, and she sat. The longer she sat, she said, the more her life seemed to be invested with a kind of quietness that came over her like a spirit. Deep down, she began to feel peaceful again. She said she felt somehow that God was very near to her, as if she could almost just reach out and touch Him. But better yet, she didn't need to reach out. God was touching her. She felt whole and complete and healed as she sat there that evening. And it became a turning point in her life. Since then, she said, whenever I feel under pressure at my job or from my personal problems, I come down here and sit on this very bench. I'm quiet and I feel it all over again and everything is right. What that lady experienced that that night is the same thing that has happened to multitudes down through the years. And she believed, or she experienced what I believe is our seventh lesson, the enveloping presence of God. When you're in a storm, when you're in a crisis, when you're in a difficulty of epic proportions, Our seventh lesson tells us that we need to experience the enveloping presence of God. What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. The presence of God, it passed by Moses as God hid him in the cleft of the rock. The presence of God is what Elijah experienced as we talked last week when Elijah heard that still, small voice. The Israelites experienced the very same presence of God in the midst of their Red Sea storm. And I want us to look at this. Exodus chapter 14, let's begin with 15, we'll review a little bit. Chapter 14, starting with verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And verses 19 and 20 will be our focus passage this morning. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them so it came between the camp of the egyptians and the camp of israel thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night do you understand what happened here did you did you get what took place there you can envision this with me. Here are the Israelites. In front of them is the Red Sea. How many times have we said this? There's nowhere for them to go. To the right or the left is this desert. And in the back are the Egyptians bearing down hard on them. And this verse, these verses here tells us, now remember, the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night would guide them. It was before the uh, Israelites. It, uh, the, the cloud during the day and the fire by night led them through the wilderness. And here it led them right to the sea, the Red Sea. And coming from behind were the Egyptians. They had nowhere to go. And it tells us here that the uh, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire went from before them and went around behind them. And it separated the two camps. Now what is amazing is it just indicated that for the Israelites it was more of a pillar of fire so they could see. But for the Egyptians it said it was a pillar of cloud so that they could not see. I can imagine that um, the Egyptians had no idea what was taking place. All of a sudden they're bearing down hard on their enemy here, the Israelites, and all of a sudden, here comes this, and I would see it like a fog. Have you, you ever been in a fog so thick that you can't even see like one or two feet in front of you? I envisioned it as something like that. That it says that they were stranded there all night. They could not move. And folks, what I believed the Israelites and Moses experienced that night was the manifest presence of God. How cool is that? Isaiah 63.9 tells us that the angel of His presence saved them. Isn't that neat? The angel of His presence saved them. As the Israelites marched through the desert, God was living with them on a daily basis. Leading them, guiding them, walking with them, hearing their daily conversations. He watched them eat when he had provided. No doubt the presence of God was fully aware of the disaster that was awaiting for them over the next hill. Church, I'll tell you and myself that the presence of God is fully aware of what awaits for you and I over the next hill. He is fully aware. God has various reasons for allowing us to experience the storms of life. But I believe chief among them are when He just wants us to experience more of Him. Just to experience more of His presence. The presence of God, that's that's one of those things that's kind of hard to to grab a hold of, to touch, to feel, to sense. you know, uh, we, we feel Him here on Sunday morning. Whenever you worship the Lord in spirit and truth, you bring the Spirit and the presence of God with you. You can, you can just sense it here. Cheap among them, though, is, is that God just wants us to experience His manifest presence. Now, we don't use the word manifest very often. That's one of those biblical words churchy words, what does it mean to experience the manifest presence of God? Well, the word manifest, now, now realize this, this is what God wants us to experience during our difficulties, during our storms. He wants us to experience His manifest presence, or in other words, manifest the obvious, clear, plain, apparent, palpable, definite, blatant, undisguised, unmistakable, recognizable. Those are some of the words that describe the word manifest. In other words, one of God's reasons for allowing us to go through storms is so we will experience His presence in ways that are so obvious, so clear, so plain, so apparent, they're almost palpable. Palpable, that's a hard word to say. Definite. They're so blatant, undisguised, unmistakable, and recognizable. The presence of God, now hear me on this, the presence of God cannot be experienced when life is at its best the same way that it can be experienced when life is at its worst. Would you say amen to that? Say that again, the presence of God cannot be experienced when life is at its best the same way that it can be experienced when life is at its worst. I once heard someone say this, God's presence in a trial is much better than his exemption from trial. There was a man who wrote... Of the time when his mother, his mother suffered terribly with loneliness after his father passed away. Her large house seemed like a ghost town and, but this man went on to say that his mother was also one with great determination and over time she began to experience what she called the benefits of living alone. Sounds kind of crazy, those of you that are in that situation, but the benefits of living alone. What did she mean by that? She said this, I've adjusted nicely to the single life, for I've never been so sure that I am not alone. The Lord and I talk together all day. When I wake up in the morning, He's waiting to greet me. And when I go to bed at night, He stays up and stands guard. See, this is the reward of someone who has learned to lean upon the Lord. This morning, there are four suggestions that I want to give you to experiencing, to mastering the presence of God during your storm. Four suggestions to experiencing the presence of God during your storm. The first pronounce his nearness in your heart. Pronounce his nearness in your heart. This, this involves what I call intentional remembrance. We need to intentionally, folks, we re- remember. We need to intentionally remember all the times that God has showed up in times past. We sometimes forget that, don't we? If I were to ask you right now, I want you to name a way that uh, God has moved in your life. Some of you would have to say, well, let me think about this. Speaking of thanksgiving, I may have said this at one point in time in a message, I don't know, but Rick Webb, our evangelist Rick Webb that's been here before, he said, what if you only had today what you thanked God for yesterday? What if you only experienced today the things that you thank God for yesterday? See, we need to remember, we need to be thankful Our God is good. Pronounce his nearness in your heart. Intentionally remember or memorize those things, those traits, those characteristics of God that bring comfort and strength. Go to your biblical cyclopedic index where it says God, and just read all the descriptions of who God is and of what God is. I could go there now it I won't take the time, but do that sometime at home. And just focus on some of those things that God is in your life. When you know what God's Word says, you'll be able to instantly recall them when you need them the most. Philippians 4, 5, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Fear not, for I am with you, Isaiah 41.10 says. Genesis 28.15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And did you notice that all of these verses are specifically talking about the presence of God? God is not there with you in flesh, but His Spirit is there with you as well. One of the things I remember that we did when the kids were little. Some of you parents who have young kids, you might want to think about doing this. Um, how many of you parents would go put your kids to bed, and two minutes later they'd call you back in? You know, that's just the way that it goes. You know, they start to cry, or they want a glass of water, or whatever it is. But we could tell that our kids were frightened about something we don't know what it was. And then um, I think Stephanie had the idea. Anybody here listen to the river? Kind of a gospel Christian station, the river. Okay. Um, what we started to do is we started to put the river on in their rooms at night and just just very softly just play Christian music the entire night. And what that ended up doing is it calmed them because they were, they were going to bed listening to worship. See, what we were doing is we were inviting the presence of God into the room of our kids intentionally do these things. Pronounce the presence of God. Pronounce it, declare it, and believe it. In your storm, the presence of God is there to help you. Pronounce it, declare it, and believe it. Number two, in your mind, visualize God's presence. In your mind, visualize God's presence. Some of you, maybe you just your mind doesn't work like this, but but... But try it sometime. Think of that place in your mind where you feel the most secure. Where you feel the most secure. I remember um, whenever Jenna or our kids were little, I was just thinking of Jenna, but whenever our kids were little and uh, we would give them a bath. Some of you know what this is. Uh, um, and, and we would get the kids out of the bathtub, and they would be cold. And so we would wrap them in a blanket, all right, real tight, you know, like a cocoon. And then we'd pick them up, and we'd hold them real tight, because they were shivering, they were so cold. And Jenna always loved that. I always remember Jenna, just I would hold her, and she would just bury her head in my chest as I would just hold her tight as she got warm. That can be a vision of how we think of our God. In your time of difficulty, visualize God's presence. Some of you might visualize crawling up in your heavenly Father's lap as He holds you. For some it might be curling up in a large blanket on a cold winter night, sitting by by a cozy fire. Others envision God like this, a mighty fortress that surrounds them. Like thick walls of a fortress as you hear what God said to David, David said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. Maybe that's what you need to visualize as you need God's presence to help you. Psalm 125 twenty-five two says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, I've never been there. Hopefully one day I get to go. But as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Maybe you need to envision God's presence like the mountains that surround Jerusalem. I've also seen people, they'll actually, when they have a a prayer time, they'll sit somewhere in their living room or in the kitchen or whatever, Sorry about that, and they'll just set an open chair right beside them, and they will look at this chair, and they will envision that God is sitting right there in that chair with them. You ever tried that? I haven't. You might need to. Do you believe that God is in your presence? Well, if you do, then put a chair and just talk to Him. Talk to God. Visualize Him in the room with you. I heard a story one time that an evangelist went to go visit a farmer and all the farm animal, animals were running around the barn and um, you can envision that scene. And a storm was coming up. A thunderstorm was coming up quickly and he noticed there was this... Um, there was this chicken, and her little little chicks were running all over the place. And uh, um, you know, he asked the farmer. He said, "Where do the animals go whenever a storm comes?" Uh, some of you all could probably answer that better than I could. But where where do all the animals go when the storm comes? Where do the horses go, the cow, you know? And then he thought, "Where do the little chicks go? Whenever the storm comes, where do those little chickadees go?" Whenever, whenever those winds come bearing down because a wind could probably just... And the farmer said, don't you know? And he said, no, I don't know. And he said, what those little chicks do is they go to their mama and she lifts up her wings. And those little chicks get under her wings and she just sets the wings and her feathers right over the chicks. And she protects. See, visualize God's presence. That's what God does to us. Crawl up underneath the wings of your Heavenly Father. Psalm 94 tells us that. Now, here's a little side note. Visualizing God's presence not only gives comfort and strength, it can also keep us from making matters worse by taking matters into our own hands visualizing the presence of God can even restrain us from sinful tendencies. What do I mean by that? There's a story about a minister who was uh, visiting someone in his congregation. And they got to talking and the individual began uh, talking about his ups and downs as a believer. Even admitting that every once in a while he would let a curse word fly. But this particular person just kind of brushed it off. Didn't really even seem to be that concerned about it, uh, and, and told the, the pastor, "Hey, you know, hey, you know, we all get stressed, right, in life, and you know, God understands, and His grace covers it all, anyway." So the pastor said, "Well, give me an example. Tell me what you mean." And the guy said, "Well, what do you mean?" The pastor says, "Well, go ahead right now. Go ahead and swear." And 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 the man said, I I, I can't I can't do that. And, and the pastor said, Well, sure you can. Just let her fly, you know. The man became indignant and said, No, I cannot do that. And when the pastor asked him why he couldn't, the man said, You're my pastor. I can't swear in front of you. And the pastor said, If you can't swear in my presence, What makes you think that you can swear in the presence of God? Because He is always with you. Visualizing God's presence not only comforts, it can keep us in check too. Number three, come into His presence through prayer. Come into His presence through prayer. James four eight tells us to draw near to God and He will draw near to you. The Bible in or my Bible gives a cross reference to this verse in Deuteronomy chapter four verse seven it says, "What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us?" And ever we pray to Him. <laughs> Husband and wife, do you feel close to one another? If not, how much time are you spending in each other's presence? I didn't say how much time are you spending in the room together. How much time are you spending getting to know each other? Interacting with one another. Communicating with one another. Um, All of the weddings that I do with counseling. Of premarital counseling that I do, one of the things that I say is, is incredibly important is to have meaningful communication with each other. To have meaningful communication with one another. I am just at the times I'm about to eat and I will see a couple, and maybe some of you have noticed this, I'll see a couple off to my side and they'll spend an hour, hour and a half, I, I just see them, I'll, I'll notice them and observe them and they don't say a word to each other. Have you ever noticed that? How is that possible? You know, this couple that looks like they've been married for year upon year, but they just sit there the entire time and eat their dinner and don't even say a word. Yeah. If it seems that God is nowhere inside of your storm, make sure that you're spending much time in prayer talking to Him. I, I want to bring this out. Go to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I, I said that story about the, the the man looking at the chicken and the chicks. And, and um, I thought of this verse and then I just started diving into this. David in Psalm 91, church, I believe, talked about the presence of God. I just want to highlight some things to it because it really spoke to me the other day. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He here, here it is, and he shall cover you with his feathers, and number his and under his wings you shall take refuge. <laughs> his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Go down to verse nine. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. I want to look at this just for a second. Go back up to verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Where is that place at? Have you ever thought about that? Where is this secret place of the Most High? Because that's where I want to go. I want to go to that place. Is there an address? Is it, is it in this county? Is it in Sugar Creek? Is it, where, where is this place at? He who dwells in the secret place. And then it says, the second half of verse 1, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What is the shadow? What is the shadow of the Almighty? I believe that this is giving reference to the Holy Spirit. This is giving reference to the presence of God that we've been talking about. The shadow. The, the, the shadow is the Holy Spirit. It's, the shadow, if you think about it, is, is a reflection of the original. It's, it's, um, it's an image of God the Father. The shadow is an exact likeness of God the Father. It's His likeness. And so this entire chapter, I believe, is telling us about the presence of God, the secret place of the Most High, those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What it's talking about is get into the presence of God. Get into the presence of God, and that's where the secret place is. Through the various ways that we've been talking about this morning, through praise and worship, through time in the Word, but but there is one more key to this. Look at the third word in verse 1. He who dwells. He who dwells. What does that word dwell mean? Well, look at the second half of verse 1. It says, shall abide. See, if you dwell, if you abide, if you just stay in the presence of God, then He will be your refuge and He will be your fortress. Then He will be a God that you can trust. Then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Then He will cover you with His feathers under His wings that you will be able to go. His truth will be your shield and your buckler. No evil shall before you, befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling place. See, it's talking about the secret place of the Most High God. It's talking about the presence of God. And prayer, the, prayer, the power of His presence comes through prayer. Wow, some deep stuff there in Psalm 91. Hmm. Yesterday morning, um, I was having some devotions and I was kind of going over this message and I I hit this, (laughs) I hit this verse and I just kind of put it in park and I just stayed there. And I just dwelt there. And I allowed the Lord to just minister to me and an hour later, just like that, it was like, wow. And that hour was um, Stephanie and Jenna had gone. Um, there were Jess and Parker went to his cousins, and I was there at the house by myself. And, and, and I realized I'm, I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. I'm abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And when we do that, time goes just like that. Get there. Through prayer, praise and worship, eliminate the noise, eliminate the distractions, eliminate that thing that we use all the time, eliminate this. If you get what I'm saying, I'm going to move on, but I need to hear you say, I get it. it. All right. (laughs) Last part. And I'm closing. Number four. Reflect God's presence in your demeanor. Ooh. Can't say that I've always been an expert at this. Reflect God's presence in your demeanor. This can be very hard to do, especially in times of difficulty. But... I think you would have to agree with me that it is not God's plan for you and I to go around looking as though we have lost hope. As if there is nothing to live for. Even in your storms, and I did not say it was easy, but even in your storms, your life, my life, your face, my face, your countenance, my countenance, should reflect the one who was leading us. Should reflect the presence of the Lord. You remember the story about Moses whenever he came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments? Remember what it says about his face? It said his, his face was aglow. Matter of fact, it was, it was so bright that they had to put a covering over his face because the people could not look at him. Why did this take place? Because he had been in the presence of God. And he could not help but show it. And I close with this story. Nicholas Herman was a man born in Lorraine, France back in 1605. As a teenager, he fought for the French army in the Thirty Year War. He was seriously wounded and walked with great difficulty the rest of his life. But at the age of 50, he wanted a richer spiritual life. So he joined a monastery in Paris. But when he got there, he was assigned to the kitchen. A task that he felt was insulting. And humbling. He went about his job for years dutifully, but with a grudge. One day he decided to change his thinking. He began reminding himself how God's presence was constantly hovering over him. He soon discovered that even the most menial tasks, if done to the glory of God, were holy. Holy. That wherever the Christian stands, even in a hot, thankless kitchen, wherever a Christian stands, that is holy ground because God's presence is there. Sounds good from behind the pulpit, but when you're experiencing that in life, it's hard, right? Nicholas's countenance and demeanor gradually changed, and others began asking him for the reason behind his radiance. Various Christian leaders frequently sought him out. One man met with him various times and exchanged many letters with Nicholas. Those conversations and letters were preserved and compiled into what is known as the practice of the presence of God. Published in the mid-1600s. See, the same presence that led the Israelites in the pillar of cloud by day in the pillar of fire by night, the same presence that filled Solomon's temple to where people couldn't even go in because it was so powerful, the same presence that rolled into the upper room on the day of Pentecost was the same presence that lingered in the kitchen of a parish monastery. And this same presence can lead you in your storm as well. Oh, that we might experience the enveloping presence of God, especially in our storms. Whatever storm or crisis that you're in, I ask that you allow the presence of God to fill your heart. And as you do the same sentence, I don't believe this this Word of God. As you and. the presence of God, The very same palpable, plain and obvious presence that was with the Israelites before and behind them, in front of them and behind them, the same presence will be with you in your storm as well. Yeah. Bow your heads, please. You can come on up, brother. God, thank you for your presence. Lord, I realize there's um, so much more of your presence that I need to experience. So much more of Your Spirit, Holy Spirit, that we need to experience. But I believe that we are not as much aware as Your presence as when we're in a time of difficulty, when we're in uh, our storm. That's when we need Your presence the most. Thank You that You are there for us. Holy Spirit, we thank You for who You are. We thank you for speaking to us. God, maybe there's someone here that just needs to make, they need to be enveloped by your presence. Lord, they can do that this morning. Right where they're sitting right now, or they can come to the altar, or Lord, whatever you put on their heart, but may they invite you, Holy Spirit, into their storm, into their crisis. Would you be a powerful presence in their life? Thank you, God. Thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for not forcing us to walk this life on our own. Thank you for your presence. Now may we seek it. In Jesus' name, amen.